When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Come on. Go. Hey, guys. Welcome to The Tapping Go. My name is Matt. My name is Freddie. Each week, we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals. And we get their views on the latest sporting issues. Welcome back, guys, to another episode. Um, we're just kicking off with another one. We've got a Simone International here, played both his trade in 15s and 7s, and now he's sort of playing in America in Washington. So welcome, Danny Tusitala. How are you doing today, mate? Yeah, good, man. Thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's exciting always having Amer- players who are playing in America these days because it's such a growing league, but we'll, we'll touch on that later. Um, so we want to start off with your days in Samoa and talk about the sevens and I guess um, what was that like sort of playing on a World Series? Uh, I think for everyone, um, I guess playing for your country is always a privilege and such an honour. And I think it's uh, not only not only you're representing yourself and your family, but you're also representing, I guess, the people of Samoa, not only just in Samoa, but all, all around the world. And I think that's that's what was, uh, yes, obviously, I guess the best thing about it being able to wear the blue jersey, but knowing that a lot of Samoans around the world are watching you and depending on you to do a good job of it. And um, yeah, so it's tough. And it's, uh, yeah, it was me. Obviously, you started your international career, correct me if I'm wrong, with playing sevens. What was sort of your route towards the sevens uh, circuit? Uh, Man, it wasn't probably, I guess, one that a lot of people think. I guess I was just, I think back in New Zealand, I was just kind of cruising. Uh, hanging out with my mates and just doing whatever, sort of working as a labourer. And I, I think in 2015, I kind of was working as a labourer, but then I lost my job and then worked as a scaffolder, lost that job, shrink wrap. So I lost a few jobs leading into it. So it was, it was quite a hard road. But I think I got to a point where I, I saw sort of like a, I think it was a, I don't know, it was a post on Facebook and I saw it was an open trial. So I guess an open trial is like anyone can go, really. Like anyone can turn up and you've got guys who are the age of your your uncles, your dads, you know, just everyone that's trying to chase the dream. 
and I just, yeah, just by chance, I just happened to, I, you know, I wasn't really as fit as I should have been, but I took a chance and I went to this open trial and I was kind of like, oh man, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I turned up to this open trial and just, yeah, man, there was so many people there. So I was thinking in my head, I was like, man, I don't think I'll ever get picked from with all these players around. And then lucky enough, I, I managed to do at least, I guess, one good run, one good tackle and do one good drop kick. And then, which got me a trial for, so I got through that first trial. And then I, that was in 2015, early 2015. And then I was told, I got sent an email saying, I've been invited to trial again. So I went to a trial to get into another trial, but then the next trial was in Samoa. So I, I obviously come from New Zealand. And so I had to fund, like I had to find my own funds to pay my flight to get over to Samoa. And yeah, it was kind of tough, I guess, when when it, when the financial side of things come into play. And like I said, I lost my job. So I was trialing for this team and I had no job. So I was kind of like depending on it. And then uh, when we were told that we had to fund our own flights over to Samoa and sort of look after ourselves, it was kind of, it, it, it did test sort of like how bad I wanted it. And at the time I was kind of like, I had nothing going for myself. You know, my rugby wasn't as, wasn't as great as I thought it was. And so I took the chance and, you know, with the support of my family, I managed to get over to Samoa and then go through the whole process of camp, training, um, yeah, all of that. And then, you know, long story short, we just, you know, I was, I was lucky enough that I was selected to represent my country. And then the moment my name was read out was the moment I, I, I made a promise to myself to work even harder to keep or to stay in that team or to stay at their level of rugby. And then, so then I was lucky enough to go on to play onto the circuit. And then the moment I played my first tournament, I just, you know, I, I just was hungry for more. So uh, every time I like think back to that moment, I just think, man, like to run out, to run out on a world stage like that, representing your country in the blue jersey, you know, it's like the most unreal feeling. Like I can't explain the feeling. But I know each, I know everyone around the world that's done, I guess, been in that position understands sort of it makes you hungrier for more. So when you go back home, when, you know, when you're away from all the bright lights and the big stage, TV, everything, I think that's when the work starts even more and you're just like constantly like wanting to be better. So just, yeah. to, just touching on what you said there, was this always something that it was always a dream, it was always in the back of your mind, even when you were working as a builder or a scaffolder? Was this, was rugby always something that you wanted to do? Was it always a passion from when you were young? Yeah, I guess growing up in New Zealand, yeah, when you're when growing up in New Zealand, especially in Auckland, rugby is like everything. I guess like here in America, there's baseball, football, um, basketball and things like that. And in New Zealand, it's only rugby, I guess. And I guess if you don't make it in rugby, you know, there's nothing else. Well, that's the mindset I guess we all have as young kids growing up. So as I was growing up, my team was Auckland and the Blues and All Blacks. You know, I grew up wanting, I grew up wanting to be an All Black. But I think growing up and going through school, I didn't really take rugby serious enough. I, I just relied on talent. And I, I think I'm one of those ones guilty of just thinking talent was going to get me all the way once I left school. I soon realised once I left school, it was like, oh, it's, like, it's a whole different world. Like, you know, your talent is dependent on someone's opinion. And, you know, so I guess that's where hard work and all the effort comes in and you kind of eliminate someone's opinion by just putting your hand up and putting in the work. 
but I was in that position where I came out of school. I just was bumming around, hanging out with my mates, doing all sorts, you know, as you do when you leave school as a teenager. And um, yeah, so I kind of learned the hard way. I went through so many jobs. Like I couldn't even count on my fingers how many jobs I've been through. And yeah, it's just, I like it, like you said, as when you're stand, when you're laboring, especially when you're waking up at like five o'clock in the morning to go to work, you know, you go to work and it's dark. You come back and it's dark. So when you're, it's like, it's like a wasted day, you know. And all respect to, I guess, tradies and laborers, and I have so much respect for those people. But I guess when you're someone like that's trying to chase a dream of being a professional athlete and doing that day job, it's tough. Like you know, not many. I, I don't believe um, not many get through it unless you know you got the support of family and friends and things like that so yeah it's tough do you think the fact that you went through all this hardship really helped with sort of your resilience through um training and through games especially in sevens oh 100 i i believe well what my point of difference is with a lot of athletes is that i've never had the benefit of coming out of school and being a professional athlete from the get-go and i feel as though my work ethic uh, comes from I guess being a laborer, being being like when I say being a laborer, I was just the guy that grabbed the rubbish, put it together, sweep the floors, and did all the bum work for the actual builders. And you know, and it's it's not a nice feeling, I guess. And and that's what drives me until this day. It drives me like you know when I'm when there's days I feel like I don't want to do rugby. I always think back and look and you know remind myself of where I've come from, and do I want to go back there? And, you know, the answer will always be no. I don't want to go back to that feeling of having to wake up and then go to work. And then as soon as you walk in through those doors, you're waiting for the first smoker. So, you know, it's like, look, man, do I really want to live like this? So now that I'm, you know, lucky that I have the opportunity to play rugby as a full-time job, I, I'm kind of just trying to enjoy every day as it comes. Because, you know, like we've all seen in the last couple, in the last year, that rugby and sports can be taken away from us and you know it's like well, what do we do next so i guess i'm at the stage now i've just got to enjoy myself while i still can and remind myself of where i've come from and what i've had to go through to get here and yeah i guess you know everyone goes through their struggles you know i'm definitely not the only one that's been through this but i guess i'm lucky enough that i can speak about it because i've been there done that so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing, I guess. I think you are the perfect demonstration of demonstrating why the game's so good is that people, they only need one opportunity. You took one opportunity, turned it into another one. And from there, you just use that as a platform just to build your career. And look, I mean, look where you've got to now. Just talking a little bit. So now, obviously, you started with sevens, but you moved into 15s, I think, in 2015. Yeah. Was, was there a particular reason behind that? Was that just because you were excited to move into a different code or was it? No, you... it, it was, well, like, it was, it was funny because 2015 was all kind of like the year that everything happened out of nowhere so I guess like for me like I gave up trying to make rep teams and trying to make anything but when it came into 2015 and like I said I went to that open trial where flip man like there was guys there that did not look like athletes that did not look like they played a game of rugby so like for me it was kind of like man I've got to I've got to um, dump my pride away and just you know trial with whoever and see how I go so I went through the sevens and lucky enough, the 15s coach had watched a bit of the sevens and he came up to me during camps and was like, can you, um, what, how do you feel about playing sevens and 15s at the same time? And I said, oh, if I'm given the opportunity, then yeah, sweet. 
So when I first initially made the Manu Samoa 15, 15-man side, I made it as a winger. So if you see the team naming that year, my name was down with the wingers and the fullbacks as an outside because I hadn't played much halfback at the time. And so I jumped from the circuit into the 15-man game and I was like skinny, man. I was like 78 kgs and I was like, oh man, I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, so I was training as a winger fullback and then there was, there was a couple of injuries that went my way. So I got shuffled into halfback and then yeah, from then on, I decided I wanted to be a halfback. So I think, yeah, 2016 and I was just like, from then on, I, I yeah, I, I played 15s and then what that, that pushed me into another opportunity, like you said. And then, yeah, I just carried on from there. And then I, I managed to jump back into the set circuit after a bit of a 15 stint. And then, yeah, I once I finished up with the seventh, I kind of quit seventh, but yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, it was the tough one. You talk about that quickly. So obviously you started on the wing and now you obviously played mainly at scrum half, but I think a little bit of fly half as well, looking at where you've been playing in America. Is that yeah, something you yeah. pride yourself on, the flexibility of being able to move around? Uh, I guess oh, when we talk about that, like, it, it probably, um, I guess, hurt me coming out of school, being a utility, being able to play wing, first five, halfback, fullback. I guess at the time, I thought, yeah, man, I, I should make teams because I can play more than one position. But when I look back to it now, I can now see why coaches didn't pick me, why coaches were like, nah, we'll go with this guy who's a specialist halfback or we'll go with this guy who's a specialist winger. And, you know, I've come to learn that I've got to be able to nail one position and, you know, nail my role. Because I played on the wing, but I wasn't the fastest. And I played fullback, but I wasn't the best at the high balls. Didn't have the best kicking game. Then I played 10, but I didn't have, I guess, the best game management. So nine was probably the only position that I could actually, I guess, nail because it was just passing and, you know, talking. I do heaps of talking as well. So, um, yeah, so I found that halfback was probably my best position. And yeah, I I guess playing 10 for DC the other week, well, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to play, but we had no choice. We had no one else. So I put my hand up to help the team. And yeah, but if I had a choice, I would not play 10. I would, yeah. I'd probably play wing it before I play 10, but yeah. Do you, um, so growing, growing up, did you have any sort of like players that you looked up to? Because I guess there were so many coming out of um, the Auckland area that I guess so skillful in like quite a similar way that you are, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I I think I'd, I'd look, I looked up to Orini Ai. He, I think he's one of the coaches at um, LA. And yeah, just because he could play everywhere as well. He could play wing, fullback, 10, halfback. And I was like, uh, there was a lot like Christian Cullen. He'd be one of my favorites, and obviously Jonah Lomu. I got, I got so many. There's a lot. I, I wouldn't be able to like give you just one. There's like there's so many that I could pick from. Um. So obviously, moving on, you carried on playing sevens, I think, till 2019. But then obviously, people will listen to this now. Is it 2018, 2019? Ah, You've made quite big career changes. Now you're solely focusing on 15. So you want to talk a little bit through that decision? What was behind it? Yeah, so it's a funny story. I, I think uh, 2018, like, I went, I came back from France from doing a stint in the Pro D2, and I went straight back into the sevens. And, you know, I started playing some really good footy in the sevens. And then 2019 came around, 
it was like uh, the World Cup year for sevens. And yeah, I just was, I guess I was not really enjoying myself as I would have wanted to. And I, uh, Vancouver in 2019 was the last tournament I played for Samoa. And I kind of, when we flew home and we get four days, we get four days at home back in Auckland. And then we have to fly back to Samoa for camp. And it was the camp for Hong Kong and Singapore. And I, I just didn't turn up to the flight. Like no one, I didn't tell anyone. I just like, I think it was a, we arrived Tuesday and Sunday we, we were all leaving to Samoa. And then, yeah, I just, you know, I went home after that tournament feeling drained, like mentally like done with rugby. And then I was just kind of like, flip, man, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. And then I, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my wife or didn't tell family. I just kind of was like, made up my mind that week that I was not going to turn up to the flight. So I didn't tell the coaches, which was bad on my behalf, which was like, you know, it was, it was definitely not the way I should have done it. But I felt at the time it was the only way I could, you know, because I knew if I had messaged the coach or the manager, I was going to turn in and be like, oh, no, I'll be there. So Sunday came around for the flights and I turned off my phone. I turned off everything so that no one could get a hold of me. And, yeah, so that that day was was tough, man. Like I was getting texts and messages and missed calls asking, where am I? Where Like, where are you? We're here at the airport. We're at the gate now. Are you coming? And I gave it about a week until I text Titch and said, oh, hey, Titch, sorry, man. Um, and I just, you know, gave him the message and said, oh, I wasn't, you know, I don't think I was mentally all there anymore. And so I've decided to pull out of the season. So I pulled out of the season and I kind of went, I think I went a couple of weeks with just no training, no rugby, just chilling. Um, yeah, doing nothing. I was kind of being a bum. And then then I went back to my club at Ponsonby and back home. And I just went and joined the under under 85 kg um, grade. And I played um, played a couple of games, played two weeks of it. Played I was playing centre. So I was playing with people my size. And I was just, you know, I just finished playing in the circuit two weeks before. And I went and played in the under 85 kg game. People were looking at me like, what the hell? What's this guy? This guy just finished on the circuit. But I think it was at that moment, I was just kind of like, man, I just need to find the enjoyment again of playing this game and finding it, like, finding it again, why, why I love playing the game. So I played a couple of games for the under fives. Then I went back and then I went up to the Prem's coach and I asked him, I told him that I'm ready to play. And he told me, nah, we're going to, we're, we're going to put you down in the reserves. So I played like two months with the reserve grade which was hard because I was like, man, I've played like 60 plus games for my club. How can they do it? Like, how can they do this to me? And I was mad. I was like, man, there's no loyalty. How can these guys not play me? I'm, I'm a Prems player. But then uh, a couple of weeks went by and I just kind of was like, you know what, if I'm not going to play Premier Rugby this season, I'll just enjoy my time with the reserves. And in the reserve grade back home, it's full of guys who are just there because they purely love playing rugby. They purely love the, they love the club. And, and then I think that's, that was the turning point for me was seeing all these guys like, you know, they work their, their day jobs, but they come here and they play for the club. They come on a Tuesday night, cold, rainy nights and still train, still have a smile on their face. And then it was like, flip, man, I'm, I'm being a bit ungrateful and I'm just kind of being a bit spoiled and, and a bit privileged that I think that I can just walk into a team. So uh, when I started enjoying myself, I played like about eight games on the reserves and then Man, I was just lucky that the premium, the premium prem team had a few injuries, but they didn't have any injuries at halfback. But they said they came to me and said, 
we know you've been playing um, reserve grading. You're playing really well, but um, you know there's a spot open for you if you if you want to play on the wing. And then I was like, on the wing, yeah, sweet, I'll play. Like, because at that point I was like, I don't care where I play. I just want to play prems. So I went in, and then I I was like, yeah, sweet, I'm gonna prove to these coaches that I should be playing prems. And then played my first game off the bench, jumped on the wing, played so trash. I was like the worst player in the team. And then, yeah, I got dropped back down to the reserves the next week. And then it was when I got dropped, I really had a look at myself like, flip, man, I'm probably not as good as what I think I am. So I went back to doing basics. Like I went back to working hard in the gym. I went back to, I guess, being more active at home, being, I guess, I guess being around more of my kids and things like that. And then, I didn't focus too much on trying to prove myself or trying to make the prims. I just focused on purely trying to be better, be better at like playing rugby and things like that, being a better person. And when I started to nail those things, I was lucky enough, I got another opportunity to play for the prims. And then when I did get the opportunity to play, I went in and I kind of went in with the mindset just to enjoy myself, just to, you know, if this is going to be my first or last game, I've got to make sure that I, leave the field with a smile on my face and then yeah I was lucky enough that I went throughout the whole season I stayed and I managed to stay in the team right up until the finals played a wing played on the wing and then got a random ass call after the final to join the Auckland Mighty Team Cup team at, for, as a training squad uh, and then yeah I guess the rest was history I guess from then on so I just want to pick up on two things you said there first this might be very naive of me but since your your history in sevens surely you're not better suited to be on the wing, but you've probably got the skill set which would make you quite a good winger if you spent lots of time on it. Yeah. Right, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, not, not to uh, pump my own tires, but I, when I went into that team, when I finally managed to get back in, I I think I was real influential in helping us win as because I was, because I purely focused on being a winger. So I wanted to be the best winger that I could be and not compare myself to anyone else. Because the time that I did go in, I, I was going in to try and prove myself to play halfback, whereas we already had two really good halfbacks. And, you know, I, I personally think they were better than me. But I was like, in my head, I was like, nah, I'm better than them. But I was playing on the wing, trying to prove myself that I could be a halfback. But, yeah, once I focused on being a winger, I was, you know, I was a lot better. I could, you know, I was a lot fitter. I was more active. I, and like I said, I'm not the quickest wing, but I felt like... I was touching the ball a lot more than what an average winger would. And yeah, so yeah, I was lucky I could do that, I guess. And sorry, yes, the second thing was obviously you've touched on, we've spoken to a few sevens players in previous series and we had Nick Maloof on for the first episode of this. We That's something that you've just brought up, which we've never really considered is the toughness of the gig of a sevens player because you are always traveling. You're never in the same place in more than three or four yeah. days. Yeah, man. And was that, so it was, it was just mentally, you, your body was just like, right, I can't, I don't, and also you've got a family and I think you've had a family at this point as well. You're just like, I don't want to leave them anymore. That's just, you felt yeah. comfortable in yourself in making that decision. Yeah, pretty much. You just summed it up, I guess, um, when you're traveling so much and I guess for myself, like I was in a, like I'm in a different position to a lot of boys that are playing sevens, especially the sevens boys from Samoa. A lot of them, I guess, don't have families. And, you know, I, I was at a point where I was like, I've got three kids and, I'm spending a lot more time with my friends and my teammates than I am with my own family. So I, it got to the point where I was like, man, I'm only seeing my family once every t- two months or something. And that that was like 
you know, when I'm at home, I'm sleeping because I'm so jet lagged and I'm, I, you know, I can't really do much. And when I when I do have time, that time I'm using to train while I'm away from camp. So it was kind of like I didn't have a balance. And, you know, I'm still learning that balance now, like trying to be a father, trying to be a husband, and then trying to be a f- friend or brother back home. But at the same time, trying to stay on top of my training, trying to be the best at my craft, trying to do all these things and balance it. It's, it's still a learning process for me, even till now. So it, it is tough mentally, especially in the Seventh Circuit, being away from home. And then, you know, and then that was a turning point. Like I, when I hit that turning point, I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not going back. And then yeah. it was kind of like the boys now ask me, man, like, well, what happened? I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't even know. But I did know that I was not coming back. And then, but I'm lucky enough that they've invited me back. And, you know, I think I feel like I'm, I'm very lucky that they can still consider me to come back and be a part of the team or be in talks of playing for Samoa again. So, you know, I guess I count my blessings that I'm able to still be in the picture. Because I definitely would not be in the picture if I was in the New Zealand team and I didn't turn up to a flight to go back to camp. So, is that something that you're looking to in the future, potentially if they if both either in 15s or sevens to maybe represent Samoa again? Is that something? Yeah, that you maybe I, thought? I definitely put my hand back up for 15s this season. So I do know they got a couple more tests and yeah, and and sevens definitely sevens because we've still got a tight knit group. There's a lot. Our core group is still there, still together. So. Hopefully, if all goes well, uh, I guess when we finish up here in the MLR, and obviously later on in this later on in the year there'll be the seventh circuit. I think it's a bit different, but there's an opportunity for me to I guess to sneak in there. I guess if I if, if I choose to, well, if the wife lets me, I guess. But yeah, kind of kind of past the seventh stage, I guess. You know, when you've done it a couple of times, it's kind of gets the same old, same old, unless you're chasing for. Tournaments, I guess, 50 tournaments or something like that. Well, you sort of touched on it with the MLR, and we, we want to sort of move on to, I guess, the America topic because that's sort of the big chapter that you're at now. And I guess when you ask most people who are playing in the MLR these days, especially when you come from pretty much the other side of the world, you and ask them, would you have thought to be playing in the MLR in about three, four years ago? You probably would have said, probably not. So, what, what made it so appealing, like as of now? Um, that this brings me back to that story I said when I quit rugby and I was kind of going through that playing reserves, then trying to make the prems. So during that time, I just I just got a phone call from Andrew Douglas, our head coach here at uh, Old Glory DC, and it was a random like I woke up one morning and then I had a missed call from Washington DC and I was thinking, oh man, it must be a spam or scam. Then it, he called me again. I was like, I answered the phone and I was like, oh hello, and then he just. He told me who he was and he said, oh, he has an opportunity for me here at Old Glory DC. It's going to be a new team in the new league in America. It's been, it'll be in its third season. And then I just, at the time, I was like, yeah, sweet. Like, I didn't have anything going for me. I was just kind of like, yeah, sweet. I just sent through the contract. So he sent through the contract, I think the next day or that day, I just signed it. I didn't even read it. Didn't, didn't speak to my agent or anything. I was just like, yeah, sweet, signed it. Email Give me a pen. Where do I sign? Yeah. And then uh, I kind of, and then, so when that happened, that's when all of that, like me playing reserves, going into the prams and things like that. So I, I was kind of like, I didn't care what was going to happen with me at club because I already knew that I was going to go to America. 
the next season. And then I just was lucky enough that Auckland Mighty 10 Cup gave me a call, came knocking on my door and, you know, I was available. And and then I carried on from Auckland Mighty 10 Cup through the Old Glory last season. So, yeah, it, it was nothing special. Just got a random phone call at the time. I was kind of like, had nothing going for me and just was like, yes, yeah, sweet, I'll sign it. Like, I didn't even ask him. I didn't even flinch. I was just like, oh, yeah, sweet, I'm keen. No, yeah, so looking at... Looking at Old Glory last year, they obviously had quite a good 2020 season before COVID cut it short. Was that something that's, had you seen that before and exciting prospects knowing you're moving somewhere which had quite a lot of potential? Sorry, what was it? Like, what do you mean? So, Washington, they obviously, last year, they only played three or four games. They had they were very successful. I think they won yeah. three and drew one, drew one or something. Was that something you were excited about going towards, like adding to something which they had obviously already got the foundations to be a good rugby side? No, I was there. I was, I, I was, I was there last season. And then um, we won four and we lost one. So we lost our first one and then we won four. So we were lucky enough. So I was here my last season and then I had to go back home. That's my bad. Okay, we'll cut that bit out because that was an error on my part of my research. Sorry about that. Um, Matt, no, your question. Um, so, yeah, are there any sort of major changes that you'd like to make to, I guess, your individual playing style in the team now that, like, is it a different style with, like, the American rugby? Uh. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because I I think when you it depends what style you're sort of comparing it to. Like if you're going to compare it to New Zealand, it's definitely different, and and I think that's a bit unfair if you're going to compare it to New Zealand rugby. But I think America has its own sort of style. It's got a bit of flair. It's got a bit of it's got a bit of everything, I guess. And it's only going to take time. Like when it'll only be a matter of years when America is going to be, I guess the limelight of rugby in the world because obviously America is where people want to live. You know, America outside of outside of rugby here in America, there's so much you can do. You know what I mean? Like you can go to like, you know, eventually when things start to open up here in America, you can go to NBA, you can go to hockey games, you can go to baseball games. There's so much you can do here that I guess other countries can't offer. And I think that's what I guess brings you to that other question, what's so appealing about America? Around the world, everyone follows American sports. Mm. So the opportunity to live here in America and to be able to attend games like that and to travel, I guess, because we're lucky enough that we used to travel to these states. You know, I've, I've been to San Antonio. I've been to Austin. Um, where else? Been to, shucks, where did we go last? New Orleans. Like, these are places that I've only ever heard of. Or, you know, and to, be, to have the opportunity to travel to these places, it's unreal. And, and only the MLR can offer you that. So, you know, I guess we're pretty lucky. And, and in its way, MLR is quite special. And like I said, the style of rugby that they play here is, is different, I guess. It's it's still in its learning process, I guess, growing process, I should say, sorry. And, you know, so, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I love the style that we, we get to play here. And, you know, we play on turf. You know, back home, we have to play on freaking grass and rain. You know, so it's a bit, we're pretty lucky that we can play on, I guess, artificial turf here, so. So you get to play more running rugby. You talk about the sort of the positives about being American, the exciting things. I was just looking at your fixed list and you obviously got LA Latinas at the Coliseum in a couple of weeks. Surely that's got to be one of the highlights with the crowd in as well. That's got to be something you're really looking forward to. Uh, the Coliseum? What was the Coliseum? So that was where the Olympics were held when they were in America. That was the and... centre of it all. Um, it's an unbelievable stadium. I think it's one of the like limelights of American sport as well in history. Very historic. 
Oh, well, you've got that. You've got that to look forward to. I'm, I'm letting you know about that now. Yeah, now, now I know. The same. Yeah, okay. I mean, I've been lucky enough to play in a few stadiums there, some historic stadiums. So, be another one I get to have the privilege of playing in. So, hopefully, if I make the team, yeah, it's Thank a couple of away. Fingers crossed. And obviously, so talking about the season ahead, you guys have played three, your one, one, draw, one, lost one. What are the prospects? Do you think you guys can compete right at the top? Yeah, I'd like to think so. You know, and and I think anyone would would like, I guess, if you're gonna play the sport, you want to play to compete in the top spots. But you know, we 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 are in a position where we understand that, you know, we don't I guess we don't have the like oh, what is it, the depth at the moment. And yeah, I shouldn't say that, but you know, we're 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 still learning. I guess with what's been hard about it is that you know I've only just turned up a week before our first game. Um, a lot of Kiwi boys have been just filtering in, coming in. Um, we haven't quite started the preseason. You know, we didn't get a preseason, so uh, we used these first three games as a preseason as to kind of sort of find out who's who or what who does what, and you know, so. We're lucky enough that we had the bio last week so that we could all refresh, freshen up and, you know, get ready for these next couple of games. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I was just reading that you're part of like the team leadership group and in particular the attack sort of um, helping out with the attack. What what does that sort of mean to you as like a player? And what I guess what what can you bring to the team and what did that sort of help you? Like, what did you learn from that experience or current experience? Do you mean like uh, obviously being in a leader's position to yeah. attack? Yeah. Um, I guess when you're a halfback, it, it doesn't really change much. I guess you've always got to be vocal and be direct and be able to, I guess, stir the ship around like a, what is it, like a quarterback. Mm. Like, like, but, you know, we're lucky enough that we have a nine and a 10. So it's like two quarterbacks at one. So, yeah, I'm lucky enough that I've got a really good team outside me who, you know, he does a lot of, he drives the game. I'm just the guy who passes the ball to him and, and does all that. But, yeah, I, it, like my, like I've learned a lot, I guess. I think with being a halfback, you just learn as much as you play. Like the more you play, the more you're learning. You can do all, you can do like so much watching film. You can watch so much film and all this and that. But I think the biggest, biggest way to learn is to actually do by action and by playing. So I've been lucky enough that I've been playing a lot of games over the years. And so just using all that experience. And then when it comes to, I guess, helping a team sort out an attack, you know, I just chip in my five cents and see how it goes. You know, I may not be always right, but... You know, that's all a part of the learning process for, for myself individually, so. Sure. Well, Danny, thanks so much, Come on, One more question, and then I think we'll wrap it up there. But we've asked a lot of our guests what their favourite moment in their career. It could be when they were five years old, the first time they picked up a rugby ball to last week. Anything you want. We're just wondering what yours was. Uh, my favourite rugby moment. Damn, what would be my... Would it have to be playing-wise or just rugby? Any, anything, uh, anything. I think it'd have to be... My definitely my debut for Auckland Maritain Cup because it was a team growing up ever since I was a youngin uh, that I always dreamed of playing for. And when I when I came out of school, I, I thought, yeah, that's never going to happen anymore. And then, you know, lucky enough, 
I think 10 years down the track, I was able to fulfill that dream, that long lost dream I had for playing playing for my city and playing in the blue and white hoops and to debut in, in Eden Park. And it was unreal. Like I couldn't have asked for anything more. And to this day, it still gives me goosebumps, you know, that I was able to fulfill that dream. And, you know, because, you know, where I'm from, you know, it's kind of like, it's a hidden hope. Like if you're going to make it out or you're going to, I guess, make it out and make something of yourself, I guess. So, yeah, it'd be definitely my debut for Auckland. There's many others, but that is definitely, definitely my top rugby moment. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I've enjoyed it massively, as I'm sure. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, we, oh, we, thank we, you, all, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, we wish you the best of luck for the whole season. And cheers, everyone else, for tuning in again this week. We will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys, for having us. Pre- appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to the Tap and Go podcast. I'm Guy Thompson and I'm a Looseheads ambassador. The mental health movement normalising the conversation in rugby. Head over to looseheads.co.uk and get 15% off at the checkout now with code Tap and Go. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.